What's going on everybody? Glenn P. Brooks Jr. here. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a coach. And I wanna welcome you to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I get the opportunity to add value to entrepreneurs, business owners, and ministry leaders, both on and offline. And this episode is gonna be no different. Stick around and we're gonna get started right now. Well, we'd like to welcome you to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I'm Glenn P. Brooks Jr. Excited to be back for another episode, guys. And uh, I am ridiculously uh, excited about this particular episode because it's my first um, episode uh, with a brother who is this impactful um, abroad. Um, He is from the U.S., uh, but we're going to get into his story behind his brand in a second. I'm reminded that in a blog post on HuffPost.com, contributing writer Flynn Coleman asks this question. The question is, why are stories so powerful? Well, the truth of the matter is that they are actually more memorable than facts. Our brains are actually wired to respond to stories. Metaphors and anecdotes actually help us relate ideas to our own experiences, providing richness and texture. Uh, Stories bring you and your listeners, guys, into a multidimensional world full of colors, sights, smells, and emotions, making us feel as though we are actually living the story. Today's story behind the brand is about a brother that I met back in January of this year when Sheree and I decided that we wanted to visit Panama for 10 days. We invited our co-parents to come hang out with us. And I'm going to tell you this story really, really quickly, because I got to give you some background on how God organized and set some things up so that I would meet this brother. While we were here on vacation, and it was our 24th wedding anniversary, secretly, we were also searching for a place or where if we decided to move abroad, where would we go and why? That was the prevailing question. So over those 10 days, we had a chance to visit a half a dozen to eight different properties, looking at places where we could live. And while we were out and about, we were obviously on social media. Don't miss the fact that social media connects to real people. I need to underscore that. As we were out and about, I told you we brought the co-parents. My ex-wife, cousin, worked with this brother at one time in their careers. And it was more than work with him. He became a part of James's family. And there were some transformational things that took place in their relationship that changed both of their lives forever. That was years ago. So while we're here in Panama, Deirdre is texting back and forth and she's FaceTime and she's doing all the things with her cousin who is saying to her, I have a guy. He is my brother. You've got to go past his restaurant while you're in Panama and tell him I said, hey. So unbeknownst to me, Deirdre is working all this out. And then she says, hey, I think we need to go over and we need to visit this restaurant. We pull up, we go to the restaurant. My guy, Mike Kelly is with us. AJ is with us. Different people who we've met along our journey are all with us. And we pull up and we have a conversation that changes our life. Because at this particular point, the reason it changed our life, because James sat and he shared how Donnie, Deirdre's cousin, impacted his life forever because of the love that he showed at a time that quite frankly, he needed to be uh, loved through uh, some really difficult situations. Here's one of the things that I wanna tell you. As I introduce this brother, there are moments in all of our lives where we connect to people that are supposed to be connected to our journey. And I need you to pay attention to how it unfolds because it will change the trajectory of how you show up. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for coach, restaurateur, a business mogul, James Rodriguez, is in the building. 
What's up, bro? You good? Thank you, brother. How you doing, man? I'm really good, man. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Glenn, for thanks to you and Sherry uh, for inviting me, and uh, it's a real blessing to be here this morning. Man, listen, we're going to get right into it, James. It is my pleasure to have you, and I'm going to take my time with this interview today. And one of the things that I want to organically do is go back to the very beginning. James, your experience in the restaurant business started long before you got to Panama. And uh, you grew up in East Harlem. Um, you're Puerto Rican, so you speak fluent Spanish. And so coming to Panama was a natural fit for you in a lot of ways. But the journey to get here, sir, the journey to get to the place where you own seven restaurants here in Panama City and several other business ventures that you're a part of, you're a coach to CEOs and things like that, not only nationally, but internationally. Can you take us back to the James that was growing up in East Harlem, New York. And can you talk to us a little bit about how growing up there informed where you are today? Come on, talk to me. Well, it's, it's, uh, again, thank you for inviting me. It's been, a, it's been a, an incredible journey. Um, well, I'll share with you guys first that my mom had me when she was 14 years old. So, I, so she, it was a child having a child and, uh, she brought me into this world where she str she struggled and um, was on welfare for a little while until she got out of it. And um, so, you know, we, we grew up in, I grew up in East Harlem and, and became a gangbanger, actually a founder of one of the bigger, biggest gangs in New York City at the time. Um, and not glorifying that, but just basically sharing with you that um, I went through that process. And I will tell you that process helped me <laughs> in my life because it, it, it showed me what, uh, it started the process of leadership in many ways. And, um, and it helped me to, to also move out of New York um, because the situation got so tough that I, I actually left New York and, um, and I was taking care of myself from the age of 14 and living in Connecticut. And um, went to high school, but never finished high school. I went on to join the United States Coast Guard without a high school diploma. And from there, while in the service, I end up uh, getting my high school diploma while in the military. And I end up changing my life. And, 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 a, and an incredible book that's called, the, the book that changed my life, I'll share with you, all of you what it was. It's the book called The Subconscious Mind. I think it's by Schwartz. And it basically transformed, it, it it really changed and shifted in me my beliefs of what I can be, who I can be, um, and, and basically allowed me to actually see that I, I um, whatever it is that I want to be, I just got to work on it, and I got to, you know, I had to make a shift in my uh, in my thought process, um, which was, which you know, back then I thought people who had success. Um, excuse me if I say it like this, but it was like people who lived downtown New York and for Latinos and blacks, it was basically <laughs> if you were white with money and that's, you know, I'm just speaking the truth. That's, that's how, that's how it, it was, but that, which is obviously not a reality, it's, it's, but unfortunately when you live in that bubble, <laughs> which is, you know, that bubble of, uh, growing up in a tough neighborhood where, where it's, you know, poverty, which is poverty is a thought, is also is mental. Um, you know, it, it created a process for me to start learning that uh, um, 
in my walk that I can be more than what I am. And um, and then from that process, I I went into work for uh, my first job out of the military was with Marriott Hotels. And I became an assistant, if you remember, to a fast food chain called Roy Rogers. And then from there, I, I just grew. I, I started uh, developing myself, grew within the companies, went to work uh, for companies like Applebee's, Ruth Chris, um, Cracker Barrel, you know, <laughs> Cracker Barrel and uh, Wendy's. And, and I've, been in the, I've been in the business now for uh, more than 38 years. And, you know, I've worked my way up from the very lowest position you can until CEO of a company. And, um, and I will tell you this, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Yeah, man. James, one of the things, and I want to chime in right here, because there are people who are listening to this podcast right now that can relate to a very, very similar story. They were not born with silver spoons in their mouths. We did not come from privilege. We came from actually a place that was really where people go to die. And there are people that are still stuck in some of the neighborhoods that you came out of. Um, But something you said, and and I want to kind of drill down on this a little bit, those neighborhoods and those experiences uh, produced a particular mindset of poverty and lack for you. And it wasn't until you began investing in your personal development that you began to introduce, hey, there's another way to approach this. So can you talk to us a little bit about the person who's just starting out? Their mindset is locked into the way it's always been done, or maybe the way the culture has shaped them to believe. Can you press upon them some of the importance of maybe a few things that you've done, and and, and I know you're continuing to do, um, to unlock those limiting belief mindsets? Because I need people to underscore this. You went from a kid who was born of a kid in a desolate situation that you should not have made it out of. That in and of itself was providential. God had a lot to do with that. But then you had a decision to make after you got out of the military. Talk to us about that process that you still, you know, you you still are a part of today in terms of this whole personal development journey. You know, when I, like I said, when I, um, when I started, uh, when I got out of the military, remember, I read that book while I was in the military. So it, it it motivated me to get my high school diploma, to start taking some courses in college. And, um, you know, what, what got me really in the beginning was that once once I was open, because, you you know, I got to share this to you and, and anyone here who's a coach. If people are not open to the process, it is very difficult. Um, you know, they got to be open. Um you know, like you said, I have a lot of friends, and I, and I thank God to this, that grew up with me that are extremely successful, that were in the same gang I was in and all that. And we actually had a reunion last year, and it was uh, in New York, and it was incredible. But we also have a lot of friends that, are, that went to jail and a lot of friends that died. Um, and it's because they took that road and they weren't open to it. They weren't open to the possibility that you can have more than what you, you know, that you can achieve more in your life than, than you are currently achieving. Um, you know, I, I have a training that I do that I say that, you know, that the, the, the power is within you. You need to unlock it. And, um, but the only way to start doing that process, Glenn, is, is that you need to, to it's, it's steps. Um, you know, and, and uh, one of the biggest problems now is that the younger generation right now wants everything 
they want it now. And unfortunately, that's not how it works. Everything is a process. Um, and, you know, it takes time, but you've got to be, you know, one of the, like you said, the first thing I did was I was open that I can be, what well, I can be more than what I, what I am, that I can be more than where I come from, that where I come from doesn't define me. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't define who I am. And, um, and, and you got, and you got to, and by the way, in the process, you got to realize too, that your position as a leader also doesn't define you. Because sometimes positions, once we start growing, we think, uh, for example, I'm president and CEO. You know, that that position doesn't define who you are. You know what I mean? It really doesn't. And um, But it helps a little bit to catapult yourself to start believing stuff. So when someone takes the, the you know, I tell people that the, the, the hardest position, like in a restaurant, it's that supervisor position. When someone goes from a cook or to a server, to that supervisor position, because they went from an employee and they were associated with all their friends, and they put in a position where they're above these these people. As far as when I say above, um, in in their position at job, in their at their at their job, um, and professionally, they that is one of the hardest things because everyone around them tries to put anchors into them and hold them down, um, because you know their success makes everybody have to pull out the mirror and look at themselves. And people don't want to do that. So, you know, just getting back to that process is that, um, again, you need to be open, Glenna. You know, anytime I'm not open to something is when I'm going through my stagnant phase in my life and, and where I'm going to struggle because uh, when you're not open to, to change and transformation, um, you know, like uh, John Maxwell says, uh, that's, you know, level one of uh, 21 laws of leadership, uh, the law of the lid, the law of the lid. You know, the, the, your lid is what keeps you where you're at or increases your potential. You know, it's funny that you say that because I know that a lot of us understand intellectually, you know, the need and maybe the idea that being open, you know, introduces me to new things. But the process part is what I need people to really understand that when I'm open, there is a process that follows. And the truth of the matter is the process is often painful for you to navigate where you've come from in terms of the, the you know, in the in the in the restaurant industry. That was not an easy ladder to, to climb. Can you share with us how being open to the process cause you to say yes to the next level. Because let me just say it this way, James. Oftentimes we will say no to what we don't understand. And we will say no when we recognize it's going to require more of us than we actually have to give. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what caused you to really continue to stay open uh, to that process of, 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 of climbing that ladder? Um. Wanting more, Glenn, wanting more in my life. Um, when I went into, uh, I went, I, I don't know if you, know, you guys know this, but uh, the U.S. Coast Guard is the second hardest boot camp in the United States. The first one is uh, the Marine uh, the Marine camp. And, and the Marines have two boot camps. And their first one is the hardest, second is Coast Guard, the third is the other Marine. Um, so it's one of the hardest boot camps. And um I went in with 180 people and 80 graduated. 
Um, and in that process, all I can remember is that I don't want to return to where I came from. That motivated me a lot. I did not want to go back to where I came from. I wanted more. And, you know, and I said, if I didn't move forward, my mother, how can I help my mother, sister, and brother? I used to send half my salary uh, to help my brother, my, my mother raise my brother and sister. I was the oldest. So when I joined the military, I was 17 years old. Um, I turned 17, July 17th. I was in boot camp two weeks later. So, you know, th that was part of the process. And then when I came out of boot camp, it was still that thing that drove me. You know, I want more. And, and not having that scared me more than continuing to live at my level of comfort, which could be, you know, level of comfort could be really bad. Um, but it was a process that once I did that, then I was able to motivate myself to start doing the little things. Like I, I in, in high school, I never read a book, you know, <laughs> I never read, you know, and they gave you a, you know, so reading a book was a huge accomplishment for me when I did it in the Coast Guard. That was like, wow, my first book I ever read. <laughs> So, you know, that was an accomplishment. Um, now I read, you know, I read four or five books at the same time. It's, it's crazy. But it took me, you know, it took me that process of initially, like you were saying, I, I had to want it. And um, sometimes um, I've heard Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins talk about that. You know, it, it's the pain. You know, what is it that you want, <laughs> what you desire to avoid the pain or the pain, you know, pleasure. And um, and me, it was that I did not want that. I didn't want that pain. I didn't want that pain of, uh, of not knowing, you know, living in a hood where I have to walk around with a gun and, you know, and watch my back. And, and I'm talking about reality. You know, that's, that was real for me. You know, that was real for me. I didn't sleep by my window because there was gunshots uh, happening outside my window every night. So, you know, these are the things that, you know, you, you got to have that fire, that that thing that, you know, your why. What is your why? You know, my Bruh. why at that time was was uh, was was helping my family to get out of the, their situation where we can where we can not only just survive, but that we can start to flourish. I want to talk about that because I think a lot of times, particularly with entrepreneurs, you know, we often don't associate the why we do what we do to um, the the need to, to continue to show up. In other words, if you can identify a big enough why, it will drive you. It will be the fuel that causes you to show up when you don't feel like it. It'll be the fuel that causes you to bounce back from setbacks, right? Can you talk to us a little bit about, and I love that because when you said wanting more, I put in parentheses beside that, that was his why. He, he wanted more for himself. He wanted more for his family. He wanted more for his life because you got a glimpse, I believe, to see what more actually looked like. Can you talk to us about the importance of getting in rooms with people that can give you a look-see into the window of what's possible so that it can kind of continue to nurture whatever fire you've, you've, you've got built inside of you? you? You got into some amazing rooms on your journey. And it caused you to be able to peer behind the curtain of what was possible. Talk to us about the importance of embracing that part of the process. 
Um, well, you, I, I, you broke up a little bit. The part of the person, the people that helped me in the process? So, so yes, the, the people, but also the experiences, James. Because when you work for a Marriott, when you work for these kinds of high-level companies, okay. it often puts you in rooms and positions where, quite frankly, most <laughs> people don't get a chance to see that kind of stuff. And it gave you some of the fire that you say, I ain't going to do it this way, or I want more of that. Can you kind of encourage us or talk to us a little bit about the importance of people embracing moments like that and really going for that kind of stuff? Yeah, that, that's uh, I get it. That's actually a great question because that it did, you know, that motivated me as well. When I would go to meetings, you know, as a supervisor and then eventually as an assistant manager, and I looked around and I said to myself, if they can have it, so can I. If they can have it, so can I. Um, you know, I was telling somebody, Glenn, you know, this is a, a unfortunate, you know, um, fortunately and unfortunately, uh, it, it's um, something that really drives me is that if you can have it, you know what? So can I. If you have it, I can have it. If you made it, I can make it. I just got to figure it out. I just got to figure it out. And, and I got to attach myself with those people who did it. Uh, one of my mentors, his name is Steve Jamison, told me um, as I, you know, and this was actually a mentor of mine. Uh, and I, and I got to share with you because I know a lot of people don't like uh, uh, network marketing. But network marketing opened up my mind to, to the possibility. You know what I mean? And, and it was because it was a small business. And, and a lot of people, you know, don't like talk because they think it's a, and it's a great business. I made great money in that business, by the way. Um, but it, that business helped me to see the possibility that you can achieve. You know, um, I, I worked with companies like Applebee's where I, you know, my, my I took over the worst restaurant. It was a, it was ran it was ran by Bloods and Crips in the kitchen. <laughs> and other gang members, by the way, we had different gang members, not just them, in, in my restaurant. And this restaurant was in the Bronx, and it was a, a restaurant that no manager could take to the, it never made money, never was in a black. They actually promoted you in that restaurant if you were able to uh, stay there two years. And when I got there, I transformed the whole restaurant, and we became number one in the company. In every category you could think of, from profits to sales, to to and the and the and the, the transformation of the people that I have there. I told you I have people now <clears throat> that are literally uh, multimillionaires that work for me from that restaurant that were gang members. I have another one who's a minister of seven different churches. He's the leader of seven churches, all in up and down the East Coast, and um, and it was because of that desire to be the best that desire to want to be you know what and it was because it, you know glenn it was my insecurities my insecurities of when i was younger that that once i realized you know what i can do this and that fight in me that fire that you know what i can do this i can do this you know what if he did it she did it i can do it what's different right. from them no james here's the crazy thing i love about your story is that a lot of times most of us fail because we don't get to see people actually pulling this off. That's why I'm huge on community. I'm huge on getting 
into rooms where I can see. That's how I, when I met John Maxwell, I literally had that same thought. It, I was in his house in Atlanta, sitting at his desk, and he and I were having a conversation in a very exclusive cohort. This guy is a New York Times, he's sold 36 million books now. But back then, he was still a New York Times bestseller. But I had that thought because I'm looking at his staff and saying, these people ain't no different than me. The, the, there's nobody in this room. And I wasn't being arrogant, James. It was literally what they have I got already. What I didn't have was, and you said this, and I want you to kind of pick up here. I didn't have the attachments. In other words, I wasn't connected like they were. And that was the difference. I had the wherewithal. I had the energy. I had the smarts. I had the desire. I had the why. I didn't have the connects. And that's where, I, you know, even, and we're going to talk about Mika here in, in, in Panama. But one of the things I'm blessed in our relationship, I'm looking through the, the chat now on Clubhouse. Mike Kelly is in the room. He came with us when we initially met. And uh, that, that's my broker and, and all. I'm getting connected, meeting you and, and getting what, tonight when I go hang out with Pablo and, and Mike. And I don't know if you're available, but we certainly want to invite you to come hang out. I'm getting connected. Can you talk to us about the importance of attachments and connection and how that will propel you to your next and get you that transformation that you're looking for? Oh, my gosh. It, it glances everything, brother. This community that you introduced me to fires me up. I was listening to, uh, I think it was Rocky. I don't know her personally, but I was listening to all of you this last couple of weeks when I pop in. And this community is what, what it's about. You need to surround yourself. Listen, I had so many uh, um, um, anchors, anchors. Uh, and anchor, my anchors were people. My anchors were people. I had my one of my mentors said to me, James, you know, you come from this area. I see the potential. I mean, he spoke into my heart. He really did. He spoke to me. And and this guy, you know, I'm 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 actually this is when Deion Sanders was a Dallas Cowboy. Um, and his house was right next to Deion Sanders. I met Deion Sanders because he was in his grass. These are all multi-million dollar homes. And, and here's this man who's a, who's a very successful multi-multi-millionaire, has me in his home, staying with him, this, this Puerto Rican kid from East Harlem, staying with this guy, and this guy's coaching me from Dallas. He brought me to Dallas to talk to me and said, and said to me, James, you, you, you have so much potential, but I've met some of your friends. They're nice people. And I'm going to tell you something, Glenn. Being from New York, it pissed me off when he told me that. He said, yeah, I mean, they got me mad. I mean, you know, I was like, hey, how are you going to be talking about my boys like that? <laughs> and you know what happened? He told me that, and I, and I listened, but I wasn't, it was seven months later that I got it. A, 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 a light bulb went off, and I'm like, oh, my God. These, and, and I started thinking about the people I had, these, I, and I saw how they were holding me back. You know, their limited beliefs, their, their potential. I'll share... This, Glenn, because this might sound a little bit crude, but my father's a very hardcore street guy. He still lives in East Harlem. He's 78 years old, won't leave there, nothing he can do about it. But my dad said to me, in front of all his friends, 
said to me, you're, lo- you're leaving your job? When I started getting with my mentor, Stephen, you're going to do your own business? And I said, yeah, that I am. And he just belittled me, my own father. Why? Because my own father don't, didn't know. You know, my own father didn't know. He didn't understand. But I had to tell my father in order for me, just to let you know, imagine saying this to your dad, that years later, I was like, my God, I was, why would I say that? I said, dad, how can I succeed? How can you teach me to succeed if you never reach that goal yourself? How can you teach me? And my father looked at me and it was really, a, you know, it was a, it, I realized it was a tough thing for me to say, but it was also my defense. You know, I was, I was defending myself. But in the end of the day, it, was, it, it became of who I surrounded myself with. And Steve Jameson, this, this guy, I love him so much because it was, he has so much to do with the transformation of my life. Him and his wife, Joy. And I started surrounding myself with more different people. And then I got with John Maxwell in the early 90s. I started reading John Maxwell's book. And then I started hanging out with John Maxwell. Then, you know, next thing I know, I'm in Costa Rica doing the transformation of a whole country with him. You know, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it's part of that process of surrounding yourself. Glenn, it's everything. And you know that because you, you guys are, look at the group you guys are in. I mean, you guys, without this, there's nothing. And you need to continue to surround yourself with people. Yes. Listen, for those of you guys who are ear hustling and you're listening to this podcast, you might be on your treadmill and this guy on the treadmill don't have no headsets on. You may be in the grocery store and this lady is in the line and I'm talking loud because she has not got her headphones on. We are talking to James Rodriguez. He's a coach. He's an entrepreneur and he is a business owner. Uh, his business at the moment happens <clears throat> in the restaurant world. And James, we cannot let you go. Uh, without you talking about what you built here in Panama. Talk a little bit about how all of that transformation kind of brought you to this place where you own seven restaurants here. Um, I'm going to put this out publicly. He is looking for opportunities. If people want to franchise this, he's building a model on the back end. Listen to me, investors. Listen to me. This brother is building a model You have been stacking your coins and you've been looking for an opportunity. I want you to think about this opportunity. James, I am getting ready to launch an opportunity and experience for people to get networked in with the kind of people that can propel them to their next. And you're going to be a great part of that. Can you tell people what you've done here on the ground in Panama over the last almost 12 years now? Uh, with Mika and with all the other ventures that you're a part of. Come on, talk to us. <clears throat> well, you know, when I got down here, I started working uh, with, with several companies in consulting. I was actually hired by a company to be president of uh, a, co- a company called Extreme Planet. They don't exist anymore. They were around for a long time. Um, and, and, I, and I stood in Panama because the culture here is so different than the United States. Um, I've had a lot of success in the United States, transforming companies and businesses, not just restaurants, but like you said, with Don Thomas, <laughs> my brother Don, um, you know, being with Murphy Oil in the petroleum uh, industry, I did the same thing, you, you t- utilizing the same systems that I use for transformation and uh, in any business, retail, restaurant, petroleum, I don't care what it is you do, you could do it with anything. But Basically, coming down here, I started working with companies like uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, Roof Chris, um, uh, we, we owe Chuck E. Cheese, 
And in Pandemia, uh, which was a very tough time in Panama, it was very different in the United States. They literally closed the country. Uh, we were, you couldn't, you, you, men could go only go out for two hours, uh, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And that two hours was to go shopping. And you were stuck in your home for five months. So I, when this process happened, a, a gentleman came to me to speak to me about him, me consulting him because he had two restaurants, Mika. And he, he said, you know, James, if you don't help me with this, um, uh, in a couple of months, I'm going to have to go bankrupt. So I told him, I said, well, you know, I was going to charge him a certain amount of money uh, per month. And I would start consulting him. And that, that was in April and in March, uh, excuse me, that was in February. And in March, the country shut down. <laughs> and the guy came back to me, Glenn, and said to me, James, I'm in a really bad place. I don't have the money. And I don't know what you can do to help me. So I'm still with Beat Ups. I'm still with Chuck E. Cheese. And I have those businesses running through delivery. So I said to him, well, we, we worked out a deal. I sat with him and his partners and I said, um, look, if I turn this around, um, you'll give me this amount of shares. And if I hit this amount, I become majority owner. And they never done that in the, in the eight years that they were running the restaurant. So what do you think they said, Glenn? They never they didn't even think it was possible. So they said, what do you think they said? They said, James. Yeah, no problem. Because <laughs> they're like, he does that, he can have whatever he wants, right? <laughs> so um, we we negotiated, signed the contracts, and uh, and in six months in pandemia, uh, just doing delivery, we were doing double the sales that we were doing before they even opened before while they were open, and uh, and I hit all the goals within seven months. So I became. Um, majority owner with the other with the other partner, and um, became CEO of the company. President, we I started transforming everything from the menus to service uh, to the branding. We changed branding completely. Next thing I know is that we're you know I I went ahead and I wanted everyone in Panama to know. So everywhere you look, I have Mika on your face. And what a better time to do that in pandemia when you can negotiate great deals because everybody was hurting. So I took advantage, and I will say this, Glenn, I read about the the pandemic in 1912, I, I think it was, 1912, and I heard about how many businesses closed, but I also heard something that a lot of people didn't hear, how many millionaires came out of that. And, and that's the part that I wanted to hear, not how many businesses closed. I wanted to hear the part of how many millionaires came out of 1912. And um, so that part is what I listened to. I didn't listen to the other part, Glenn. And what I did is uh, within a three-year period, I don't think any restaurant in Panama has ever done. Without money, okay, I want everyone to be clear, without money, uh, I opened uh, within three-year period uh, five more restaurants and two of franchises. And, um, and we have people already interested in other countries of opening Mika's and... Um, We've won Wing Week three years in a row, the best wings in Panama for three years in a row. Um, and, um, and you know, we, we, the quality food we have, I mean, you already know, <laughs> so you need a pancake. You have me rolling on that video. You know, the best pancakes, we blow IHOP out of the water. And I mean that. I love IHOP. 
Um, but I will say this, our pancakes blow them away. Then I ain't close. Like you said, they're like pan, pan, pan what do you say? Cake I, pan. I said, <laughs> listen, listen, let me just, in, in defense of myself over here, Cherie and I wanted to go over to the Santa Costera and we wanted to go down to um, uh, 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 the, the, the produce market. Um, and she said, well, well, let's grab something to eat first. And I said, well, let's grab something on that side. And uh, I said, well, you know what? James was bragging about these pancakes, Sheree. <laughs> the last time we got together, let's pull up on Mika at the boutique right there on the um, on, on, on the Santa Costera. And, bruh, let me explain something to y'all. They should call it cake pan. They should not call it pancake. <laughs> if you go to my Instagram right now, I posted something. Listen, I, I promise you... Sheree and I ordered one order between the both of us. And James, I'm sorry to say we could only eat a wedge of that. I, I, I'm sorry to say, bro, <laughs> listen, but I'll be back because, because I'm addicted now. So, <laughs> so at, at any rate, no, no, man, let me say this. And we're going to open this up for questions because I perceive, and we're going to run a little bit long today, guys, just because I want to maximize this moment. I put in the top, for those of you guys want to check out Mika Cafe, Click the link at the top of the room, and I, I put James's link there. Uh, Rocky, their social media is on something different, and I'm telling you right now, I'm sure you probably have already taken a look at it, but I'm going to change this up in a second, get people up here for questions. Before we leave out of here, James, can you leave us with um, the transformative moment for you that cemented that you're here and you're never going anywhere else. In other words, that was that moment in time. And maybe it was with your mentor. Maybe it was years ago. Maybe it's recently, maybe it was during the pandemic. In other words, that moment for you said, um, you know what? I'm here and I'm here to stay and I'm official. And, and this is where I belong. Can you share that moment with us? If it was a moment or two, because I, I feel like there's somebody that needs to be encouraged that you're doing the right things Maybe you haven't done them long enough. Come on, talk to me, buddy. I think I, I, you know, I think there's many. There's actually several times because in the process of growth, like we were talking about earlier, there's a process where we actually, um, where we actually get a part where the the uh, failures that pop up in our lives actually um, end up affecting us in another way. Like they they. They end up bringing, especially like I said, I, where I came from, my insecurities um, from from being from where I was from, from not having a high school diploma, from all those things, that in my process of success, um, of obtaining success, when there were failures, the insecurities popped up again for me. But it wasn't until I realized, and I, and I will tell you in my journey of personal development, that I found out when I realized acceptance that I'm here. You know, when I accept that I'm here, Glenn, is when I realize that failure is part of success. And once I realized that, that, you know, in my process of failure, that I can always succeed because failure is, is actually one of the steps into getting to success. And I really had to get that because failure for me, and I think there's a lot of people that are here that probably can, can really relate to this. Failure for me was like a, not an option. I don't want to fail. Fail meant that I'm, I wasn't worth it, that I wasn't worthy, that I, I, I just can't do it. 
No, failure means that you just learn another form, another way that does not work. And there's only so many ways to fail that eventually you start turning the corner. The whole thing is, the whole thing is, you know, you, you got to fail forward. You know, you need to fail forward and you need to fit. So, so I would say, cause the question, cause that, that, there's, that answer, there's so many, many times, cause there's a re-emphasis that will pop up of me, you know, saying I, I, I arrived. Then I think I didn't. Then I re-emphasize again that I arrived and I think I didn't. So what happens is, is that it's a process. I think that you really, because like I said, you never arrive. But, you know, I, I, I told this to my, and I think I shared this with you. I told everyone, there's only two options for me and Mika. I'm either going to explode this and take this to the next level, or I'm going bankrupt. <laughs> Give rich to God, right. And you know what I'm saying? And I'm, and I'm saying that in a way because... Um, and I love that I shared that the, there's this book I did, I'm reading that I recommend to everyone. It's called Scale or Fail. Oh my gosh, I love it. Because um, th- that's really where you need to be. When you look at all the people from Steve Jobs um, um, to Gates to, I mean, so many people. I mean, you can go over, many of them failed. I mean, you know what? How many, I got a question, Glenn. How many people you think in this group would have been in Apple the first 10 years. They would have left. All it fast. was in, in, in the process of going bankrupt many times. Amazon has been in the red for more than 10 years. So what happens is, is that that process, the answer, you know, again, it's just a question that has many answers because it's a process. I realized that I arrived when I realized that I didn't arrive. I love it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, James Rodriguez, I, I don't know what Drake was thinking when he said no new friends, but he, him and DJ Khaled, they can have that. <laughs> if you guys pulled up for this episode of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast, I want to say thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. James, listen, we're going to do this again. Next time we do this, we will be in person, my friend. I'm working on some things, and, um, yeah, it's going to be a whole situation. Uh, Y'all, if you want to get at this, brother, do me a favor. uh, Follow him on social media. Um, They're going to put the links in the chat. They will put it in the description. Uh, Make sure that you pull up on Mika Cafe anytime you're here in Panama City. You have seven different stores to choose from. Um, He is a brother that, quite frankly, is adding more value to most people uh, than most people I know. And uh, I appreciate you, bro, for being here today. Thank you so much for pulling up. At the end of the day, here's what I know to be true. You cannot get to any place of significance by yourself because we all need some help. And I'll see you next week on another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us once again for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, Be sure to download this, and if you need to connect to us any kind of way, uh, you can reach us at www.glennpbrooksjr.com. At the end of the day, y'all already know what time it is. You cannot get to any place of significance by yourself because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll talk soon.